It's Monday night, and it's a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Television, or radio, sorry, uh, the show that mixes comics and politics. I've seen a lot of videos. Uh, I'm right back for a have little you, bit of a hiatus. Have you been cheating on us with a different medium, Brett? <laughs> You've been seeing a different medium behind our back? Uh-huh, I see that now. <laughs> I was doing like a couple hours ago, so I'm sure that's in my mind, and it's like the same damn opening, so... Oh, well, mm-hmm. uh, I'm back, and a lot of not spending any time, like, into me, which is really fine and well-deserved. <laughs> yeah. Joining me is my co-host, Alana, who's held down the fort and done an awesome job while I'm upset, so thank you so much for doing that. Um, yeah. So how are you doing? It's great to be back. I know, I mean, I deliberately chose to not have guests today because I wanted to have a chance for us to sort of go over all the crazy shit that's been going down in the world of comics since we last had a chance to speak about it. And of course, yeah, this, past week was, this past week was New York Comic Con. So there was a lot of fresh news as well, um, irrespective of everything. And I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing this episode just with us. And I, I hope our listeners agree that uh, it's nice to get a, a, a specially dedicated episode to the world of comics and geekdom and the latest comic news from New York Comic Con. Yes, yes, yes. I unfortunately was not at New York Comic Con this year uh, due to a, a conflicting thing, uh, but I paid attention from a distance, which was uh, which was interesting. And yeah, there seemed to be it was interesting from so from my perspective on the outside, it actually felt like this year was very comic based. Like a lot of the news was uh, was around comics. Um, there was a whole bunch of announcements. A lot of um, news that were not supposed to be announced <laughs> things that made news and even kind of the things that like premiered even if they were like television or movies was still like based on comics this wasn't a thing mm-hmm. where and the, the biggest thing i think that was non-comics was like maybe the pacific rim uprising trailer yeah. um and that was about it like you had a justice league trailer was probably the, the other big thing that's comics related you had a tick trailer mm-hmm. that's comics related uh you had marvel all all kinds of weirdness going on, which made national news. Uh, DC announced like new books. You had uh, Dynamite announce a whole bunch of new stuff. Dark Horse did some stuff. IDW, like it was a very comics focused show, which I think was interesting. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Run us through it. You were on the ground yourself. So, what was your perspective of the show? What stood out to you? So I was on a mission to attend as many of the politically oriented panels as I possibly could. And there actually were more than I could humanly go to as a solo individual. So that's definitely saying something. Um, and in years past, there'd been a real problem of them shoving any of the sort of diversity, feminist, people of color focused panels into tiny rooms and they would fill up entirely and we couldn't all get in because somehow they had it in their heads that nobody actually cared about this stuff. Well, finally, uh, they've put us in big enough rooms. There was, I think there was only one diversity focused panel with that, like absolutely was too full and I couldn't get into. Um, It was too full by a great quantity. Like I think 70 people could not get in, no joke to the black heroes matter panel, which is, crazy amount of people to not be able to get in. But um, overall, they were putting those panels in bigger rooms, and I think recognizing that this is an area that there's more interest in, particularly at New York Comic Con. Um, 
I have my critiques of the way some of those things were structured, though. I, I felt that, um, and I'm going to be writing about this in a in a piece very soon. Uh, that a lot of the ways they these sort of diversity focus panels were broken up was kind of repetitive. You would not only see a lot of the same people in the same panels. And it's one thing if it's like a celebrity person, I get why you would have Gail Simone on like eight different panels about women. That's okay. But I'm talking about folks who aren't necessarily really names being on multiple panels and then the individual sort of tagline or subject matter for some of those panels is pretty much the same as some others. Now, if someone's going to the con and they're trying to go to a wide variety of panels in general, maybe they only make it to one LGBTQ panel and they choose one on Saturday because they can't make the one Friday, then I guess maybe that works for them. I mean, maybe the way I'm consuming the conference as someone who's trying to go to all of those is unusual and like kind of leaving me in a more repetitive place. But I definitely heard the same damn thing from the stage a few different times. Um, Some of them could also benefit from better moderation, but that's a problem, not just in diversity. That's just a problem across the board for anybody who's not really an experienced uh, moderator. Moderation really is a skill. Um, one of the things that I was really happy to see is there was a lot of panels about Jack Kirby 100. There was at least one Kirby panel a, a day. Um, you know, Marvel had its IDW had its because my IDW was releasing some big, gorgeous Kirby artist yeah. editions that I really wanted to have. had the money. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. Freaking so expensive, gorgeous. but so beautiful. I, think, I feel like every publisher had their own Kirby day panel and then the last <laughs> one was hosted by the Bowery Boys which is a really wonderful New York history podcast that I highly endorse um, that one had uh, the Jack Kirby Museum staff on it which was good to get the museum perspective but one thing I definitely want to shout out is um, there was literally in all of those panels that I saw uh, there was only one person ever on the stage who was not a white man over the age of 40 um, and that was on the panel that um, Marvel organized. They had Meg Downey, who has a really good podcast herself called uh, Boy Problems. Um, Meg was the moderator, and she did a great job, and she's a young woman. And it was just like, oh, there's one of us. <laughs> and I think a lesson for the con and for con schedulers and planners could be that, you know, that there's, quote, diverse, quote, people who can do things other than just be on a diversity focused panel and that there are plenty of different kinds of people with things to say about silver age comics and bronze age comics and other different kinds of topics. Um, And I think that that was missing a little bit from how they thought about these panels. Um, Yeah. But but I had a lot of Marvel. Marvel threw some like diversity into it, like you know, someone that wasn't a white dude. So, a, but it's them. sort of like it's a woman. I mean, and also being young was yeah. cool, right? But like, it was like yeah. you have located a young woman. <laughs> like, that was it. <laughs> I would also just say for any other well, Kirby heads, like the panel ended with Tom Brevoort basically out of nowhere trying to justify the publisher's treatment of Kirby by saying that. You know, Kirby's daughter had a pony and everything, basically arguing that Jack Kirby oh, was to die poor. And I'm like, that's I didn't know that's Kirby where that came from. Poor, but like, why are you, that doesn't defend what you guys did. Him not being poor is not, adic- is not an adequate recompense for him building all of the IP that made you guys millionaires. Um, and it was just really pulled out of nowhere that 
that line of that line of self-defense. And I think a lot of people in the audience didn't quite pick up that that's why he was drifting into that dialogue. But it, that was pretty offensive and just really out of left field. What was the anyway, lead up to that? Like it like, was what, totally not even like Jermaine what he was talking about, or just like go no. off on a tangent. That's bizarre. I think it was people talking about like things Kirby did later in his life, and that's when he started babbling about it. That's weird. That's really weird. Yeah, Brevo one that definitely needs the training. We've oh, talked about it a bunch of, of staff needs training. He he's one that absolutely needs training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on the other side though, Mark Evanier, um, I mentioned to him a blog that's a friend friend of the show called Kirby Without Words, where she has um, yeah, where the artist has removed Stan's words from Kirby's art to let you see the art, and you can frequently see Sue Storm saving the day and Ms. Marvel saving the day. I'm sorry, and Marvel Girl saving the day. Even though with Kirby, with, with, with Stanley's text over it, they are made into damsels in distress. I, I asked I asked Evanier, who was a, Jack Kirby's assistant um, when he was younger, and also his biographer, really, if, what he thought about that. And he Mark knew about it and like applauded it basically. So actually, I did not know that that he worked with Kirby. It's actually really cool. Oh yeah, totally. That's why he gets to be like the Kirby guy. Um, Interesting. But, uh, but yeah, like he, he approved and definitely thinks that there's merit to taking the words away and agrees with that. Yeah, without the voiceover narration, Kirby's art is a lot more feminist than it, than it is once, once uh, Stan Lee writes in A Million and One Reasons why it's actually Reed Richards saving the day. So that was interesting. Isn't that, the big, isn't that like the big thing of the, like the Marvel method was kind of come up with the general like beats as to what the story was? Kirby would go and do the art and actually like lay out the, the pacing of the story and then would go over and do the, the actual words at that yep, point. But it's really a shame that like Stan couldn't like look at the art and interpret that what he was witnessing were yeah. women being heroes, but that was well, so beyond his, his capability to understand. But um, yeah, so my, um, so my point would be more like, it's really like without the words is really the more like, your story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that that's kind of brought that up. Um yeah, it's interesting. That's uh really fascinating to to see someone today go back and, and rewrite some of those stories, someone that's more keyed in. Yeah, I mean it. I think that's <laughs> there have been experiments with that as well, but I honestly think that the work stands with Stands on its oh, own yeah. merits once Absolutely. you get rid of the well. Once you get rid of Lee, Stan Lee, yeah. like making everything sexist when it's not. But enough about that. Um, I heard Walter Simonson was really fabulous on a panel that he was on. Uh, John Byrne was there, and apparently on his best behavior, which is very confusing for me. Um, noted noted homophobe John Byrne slash amazing artist John Byrne, innovator of the X Men. Speaking of X Men. I was able to go to a live taping of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, in which the guests were Chris Claremont and Louise Simonson. Now, I I'm tell so you. I'm so jealous of that. That looked it, awesome. Yeah. Had it just been a live taping of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, Dianu, but lo, there were also Chris Claremont and Louise Simonson. So it was even more than enough. It was the Dianu of Comic-Con panels. Please excuse my Jewish humor. 
Um, Louise Simonson <laughs> is a fabulous panelist. I think she would be an excellent documentary subject. For those who don't know, Louise Simonson was Chris Claremont of X-Men's fame's uh, editor. And then she went on to write some of the X-Men books like uh, New Mutants and was, you know, really critically acclaimed. Really just one of the biggest figures in 1980s, late 70s, you know, Marvel comics that we all kind of know and love. Um, And she really should have her own documentary because she's really good at talking about the history and sharing stories in a way that not everyone is. One of the cool things she said is that at one point, uh, Chris Claremont went to her and was basically saying, like, "Ah, I'm all out of stories. I don't even know what I'm going to tell next. And so she reminded him of some loose plot threads he'd left around. And he was like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. thanks. Bye. And he like ran off and like did something amazing straight after that. So it really shows you the role that editors play in helping, Mm -hmm. you know, to keep stories on track and also the role that she played in, you know, really building the X-Men's universe. But also just, you know, if Chris Claremont can say one day that he's afraid that he ran out of stories and he gets back on the horse, like that's sort of a nice little inspirational story for all creators, right? So. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yes. She's awesome to see at at conventions, too. She's usually there with uh, Walt Simonson. Um, yeah. around and they both like draw tons of people which is awesome to see I think that was one of my yeah. fun things at Baltimore one year was, was meeting them both real heroes of- well, yeah and these are, these I mean, are two thing. like amazing creators and yeah I actually think she would be yeah she would be an amazing documentary to she's sit down better, and talk to her she's better at talking about X-Men and stuff than, than, than Chris is at least this time around um, he was a little bit painful, actually, in some points to watch, which is not the vibe I had had from the podcast interview of him I'd heard before with Jay and Miles. I felt like maybe he was having a tough time or something. It, he was not. He was a challenging guest. Jay and Miles did a fabulous job, and I definitely look forward to other folks listening to it so we can all discuss. Important takeaways include that. Was he just Chris, tired? No, I don't know. You know. Are you just off? cranky, I guess, confused. Uh, okay. But yeah, the important thing it wasn't to learn... I'm like, I don't know what you, what you meant by that. Yeah. <laughs> like, often not entertaining or... No, yeah. no. Okay. I mean, a little bit painful at points. But um, I will say exciting news to share is that he, like myself, is a Logan Jean shipper. So uh, I feel validated. And of course, you know, the last time we heard Chris Claremont speak at something, he validated, he said that he had wanted Rachel Gray and Kitty tried to be a couple when she was grown up. So basically validated all of our queer X-Men head cannons. Thank you, Chris Claremont. <laughs> and yeah, like one of my only like uh, straight couples that I'm emotionally invested in in any way. So I feel like I had a bit of a fandom triumph in that. Um, but moving along from talking about the old, uh, the old history stuff, I would actually, Oh, by the way, the, um, Stuff for Batman the Animated Series 25th anniversary was just a huge celebration. Um, yes. I mean, well, you know what I realized is I grew up watching the mediocre production values of the X-Men cartoon and mm-hmm. the original X-Men cartoon, for those who don't know how old I am, um, and reading X-Men comics and watching the beautiful production values of Batman the Animated Series and never occurred to me to read a Batman comic. Like, it didn't even occur to me that that was a thing you could do. So, 
interesting little realization I had. But um, but yeah, definitely speaking the fandom that, around that. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the X Men uh, animated, did you ever watch the original pilot? No, but I heard it was like the Asteroid M. Okay. Yeah, because there was like that was years before even that came out the series, and I just I, it's one of those like I don't know I, like I know it's a real thing, but there's so few. I've, I've ever talked to that were like, oh yeah, I've totally seen that. So it's one of those where I'm not totally convinced I've made it up in my mind. In your mind, right. <laughs> oh, interesting. No, I believe it's real probably. I feel like I've heard legends of such a thing. It is. It's, okay. It's called Asteroid M or something like that. But it's, it's an, hmm. if, you can, if you can find it, interesting because comparing that to like the main series, uh, it's really, it's an interesting episode. Cool. I'm going to see if I can um, find it. We'll see if we can okay. share it around. Nice. Um, one of the big pieces of news I felt coming out of Khan was that Image Comics has picked up Bingo Love by T. Mm-hmm. Franken and um, Jen St. Ange. And we're pretty sure that's the first comic by a black woman that Image has ever put out. Sweet Lord. <sighs> How sad is that? Think. Uh, no, maybe possibly. And pop props to T. Franklin for like saying that in her herself and not like covering for them, basically, right? Um, yeah. So for those who don't know, Bingo Love was a Kickstarter, a hugely successful Kickstarter. It's a romance comic that's a romance between two black women who fall in love in the '60s are separated by their families because it's like back in the day and then find each other playing bingo when they're senior citizens. Um, it looks very cute and it's definitely the kind of story that you just don't see much of. The fact that it raised tons of money online shows that there's a real audience for that. And I, I'm don't, doesn't surprise me at all. There's lots of people who are looking for queer romance stories and you know, there you have one. Um, and I think, I give Image less credit for choosing it because she'd already raised all the goddamn money. Yeah. So well, that's, the, to that's what a lot of publishers are very, doing now. Yeah. But it's a very easy choice for them. There is no risk whatsoever on their part to pick up the book. I am super excited and proud you know, for the creative team, and I want to give them massive respect. But I have to still look askance at Image because basically the women who made this comic did all the damn work already. There's no risk yes. on Image's part. Image is just going to collect accolades for diversity when they really didn't do shit to make diversity happen. This comic was going to come to press and come out to the public regardless, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, that seems to be a big thing with the comic industry now. At least indie is so few are taking risk and are just picking stuff up from Kickstarter that has already been approved or you know already been you know done and all set and production is done so at that point like no cost in it in theory you know the creators have been paid mm-hmm. kickstarter in theory um mm-hmm. the publishing at least for the first printing has been done to at least the, the kickstarter people and you know possibly maybe some overrun depending on how they did it um so yeah i mean it's it, basically the publishers are just picking up stuff that is and just becoming a I mean it's the same yeah I mean they're just really becoming a distributor like a distri- distribution arm they're not actually yep. publishing shit and um, like 
and it's That's just tiresome. I would say on the on terms of cool things from publishers, uh, Lion Forge just hired Desiree Rodriguez to be full time assistant editor and hired three other women yep. to work for them, particularly scouting stuff from web comics. And I'm like, yay, forward thinking, good job. Um, so that. That's good news. I uh, I really think Desiree, who has been a guest on the show, is one of those people who, when I talk to her, I just really think, like, the future of comics. And she was fabulous on all the panels that she was on as well. Speaking of, one of the really great diversity panels they had this year, which is the first time they'd ever done it, was called Invisible Latinx in Comics. And that panel had, um, oh, my gosh, the guy who wrote created La Borican on it, and Desiree was on it, and then a whole slew of like different Latinx and particularly Afro Latinx people in the comics industry talking and mostly like folks on the indie side of things. That panel was really fabulous. And I realized when I was watching it, it was the very first time I'd ever heard anybody speak Spanish from the stage at Comic-Con. Hmm. And when you go to Comic-Con, Comic-Con in New York is like super diverse. Yes. I'm yes. curious what the demographics exactly are, but there's tons of people from all different racial groups and ethnic groups. And, you know, like the writer of Boarding Can kind of slips in and out of Spanish a bit. And I speak Spanish, so like to me, it's just sort of like easy and charming. But I think it's important for people who don't speak in Spanish really to also sort of be exposed to that because that's what it's like for folks who don't speak English. You know, you kind of slide in and out of what you can and can't understand. Um, and I think that was an important experience to have from the stage. But oh, Gabby! Oh God, Gabby Rivera, who's writing America for Marvel. Gabby Rivera is an amazing speaker. She should be coming on the show. And um, she just knocked my socks off so many times with shit she said. Just amazing. So I think that'll be fabulous when she comes on. She was on that panel as well. Yeah, I mean, it's um, little, it was, I caught a little bit of uh, at least the of what pictures from that panel and it seems like a hell of a lineup. Um, yeah. I can't think of the name of the, the, the creator of the lab. I'm just going to burn. Yeah. He was on I think vice or something. There was a segment on where they covered for something. It was just really cool to see him outside of comic press getting, I mean, he actually gets a lot of non comic press coverage for the character. Um, yeah. He really, it, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Well, I also didn't really well. quite know where he came from, but he like worked for Run DMC. He worked for uh, yep. Gerald McDaniel's comic line. It's sort of his own background on that. I thought he was um, Marvel at one point. No, he did a, a story for Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was he's a Marvel definitely also well, at least I was right very, on that. <laughs> but he's very dismissive of the big publishers. Um, very, very clearly so. I wish I could have gone to the IDW launch of Black of Black Crown, which is the new Shelley Bond. Yes. Um, that did get live covered from uh, Comics Beat, so folks can go check that out there. But that was something I was sad to miss. Yeah, I mean that that was maybe like it was on the radar, but it seemed like a, a they're they're building some good buzz for launching next week. Good the first issue talent, officially you know comes what out. I mean? Good talent. Yeah, I mean, that Burger Books, like, all that seems to be pretty solid, uh, you know, at least talent what they're bringing together. Lots of really smart women, frankly, yeah. is what it looks like to me. And it's about time. 
Speaking of smart women, I'm excited that we also heard friend of the show, writer Mags Visaggio, is now going to be writing um, Element Girl for, yep. I was going to say Vertigo, but it's not called Vertigo anymore, for Young Animal, which is a perfect fit for her. Um, yes. I mean, she was part of the, totally the DC writer talent group, so that's, that's part pretty of the writers awesome. Group, but also, like, yep. she's such, like, a Mark Wade, like, student of. I mean, Gerard Way student of, like, she's somebody who grew up listening to his music. Like, she comes from that. So it's pretty cool for her to be in that space. And the artist, I forgot his name, looked really good. So that seems like a good move on DC's part. Looking forward to that. I didn't see any of the Doomsday Clock Mishigas. I'm not super, like, I really don't care, basically. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm a sucker for that stuff, so. <laughs> well, one I'm not judging I until I read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I'm missing that maybe someone, maybe some listener can help. I don't freaking know. But the DC, like one of the main DC panels did open up with a um, a sing-along that was like an anti-Trump spoof of something. I don't know. The, nobody, what was the fucking context? What What is going so on? Mad, it was Mad Magazine. Know. Yeah, so Mad, I mean, ah. Mad Magazine is, it's, it's mad, like mad freaking rules and they don't give a shit. Uh, and of course, they're going to have tons of fun with Trump and lay into him. So it was like mad, I want to say 65th anniversary panel or something like that. Um, and before it started, they had like a sing-along basically of, of Trump sucking. Uh, I forgot. I think you sent it to me, right? Like the images of it? Maybe? No. What else? Yes, I did, I, I did, yes I, did. I shared images, but I yeah. couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah. So it was the Mad Magazine panel. Uh, I mean, Mad is owned by DC, or not owned by DC, but it's owned by Warner Brothers and kind of part of their printing publishing. arm. I would, yeah, publishing. I would say like Mad and D- DC are kind of like sister companies. Like, I don't think DC is actually in charge of Mad at all. I could be wrong. It kind of is, but it isn't. It's time. Like, I don't quite know how that works, but um, yeah, that was that was totally Mad Magazine, and it's hmm. awesome. Like. Props to them. They've they've been laying into them, and it's been great to see. Yeah, that's like what their role in society is, right? Yeah, that's what their job is. They're satirists. Yeah, I mean, any, anyone thing, in charge, they should go with it, but yeah. Yes, exactly. Speaking of things that should be satire, but in this case aren't, boy, did Marvel <laughs> make some bad news for itself at New York Comic Con. And I well, don't just so mean Marvel's ongoing problems with not having enough diverse creative talent on the team. I'm talking about a particular fiasco. No, yeah, not so Secret Wars. Something fascinating else. Fascinating with them. Yeah. So it started off with the retailer panel. So for those who don't know, before some of the conventions, not all the conventions, some of them they have like gatherings for retailers and the publishers like give presentations as what to, what folks can expect and what's going on and what's coming up. Um, and get some feedback, and Marvel went on, and there's this nice uh, uh, Gamergate-esque shitstorm, shitheels, shitlords, edgelords, Edge shitlords, Lord. whatever, and whatever, assholes, uh, who kind of whipping up um, anti-Marvel sentiment, and some some is it is, um, and so at the end of this retail panel, they, you know, brought up some Questions and some of the questions were val, you know, were good. So, like the feedback was good. Like someone said, "Why do you put numbers on one shots?" Which to me, completely legit. You know, yeah, whatever. Secret, 
Secret Wars Uprising shouldn't have a number one after it unless there's going to be a number two and there's not or whatever the hell or Omega or whatever it is. So like they took that back. You know, that's that's really good. You know, that that's actually makes sense. So after all the basically what was good uh, feedback, a retailer got up. And so far, it seems everyone's protecting this retailer. I don't know why. No one has named well, the name. Well, okay, you say that, I mean, I I know from one of the folks who was in the room, at least on my end, he's like, I can't tell who it is because all of these white dudes look the same, basically. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sure that was in the retailer gotta know community. Who it is. Right, yeah. exactly. Like there are there there must be people in that room who know who he is, but the right. reporter who I know who was in the room did not because he's like he looks like every everybody else. It's, you know what I mean? Like sure. it's not. So yeah. I do think that there are Someone. other that re- Yes, somebody at Marvel or some retailers who have just been in the business for a long time should know and recognize who that was. Yes. Uh... So they got up and basically they railed against Marvel with their SJW and diversity and you know fuck the homos and what else did yeah, they no, say? Like, I'm, from, I'm trying to think all the like, like I think it's important yeah. to say it's one thing to say darn damn SJWs like that's stupid and yeah. bullshit. This man oh no it's where this epithet. asshole went. He yeah. said homo. He said yeah. homo, which means he might as well have said the N word. Like he yep. literally might as well have said that and he didn't. But like. I, just, I think he actually said, I can't sell a comic where Iceman kisses a dude. Yeah, but he also Was said it homo. one of the specifics? Yo, and no, he no, said homo. And Black, yeah. he like literally straight up said racist shit. And here's the thing. Yes. He felt comfortable saying it in that room. Now, yep. clearly tons of people in the room were horrified. But yep. the fact that he assumed that that kind of talk would be acceptable. And then Marvel's response was basically a both sides do it kind of response. They were like, well, uh, Thor used to be a frog, so change is yeah. normal. And I'm like, that's well, not what he's talking response. about. Like, no, it's not. It's, but it's not what he's talking about. Like, they need to respond to what he's actually talking about. Now, I'm, again, I'll cut them some slack for not having the best response because it is shocking and you get caught off guard. But yes. the fact that they, like, just didn't, as time progressed, develop a better way to respond to this. But they clearly did bring up they roads, I believe, which is a, a better example. Ah. I, so they, they brought up the Thor's a frog, and I thought I, I was not there, so I'm going off of whatever other reporting was in. I believe Marvel brought up so James, you know, Jim Rhodes taking over for Tony Stark, which is an, actually a valid, I think, a fuck you response to that. Uh, because it's not anything new. It's been done before and been done a bunch. So uh, I believe that was actually mentioned i could be wrong but to me that's a bit valid than the thor's a frog response yeah exactly yeah i definitely agree i definitely think saying like look we've done this before why are you guys being such psycho racists right now (laughs) is because you're being drummed up about it by agitators which is absolutely true and something which is happening um but anyway so first that happens and then some of us notice on twitter that Marvel has tweeted out that it's looking forward to doing a special event with Northrop Grumman at yep. its retailer booth on Saturday at 3 p.m. Now, would you like to tell the class a little bit about who Northrop Grumman is? Well, there's also – so even before that, the, the and I'm going to give him props because I want to at least show the devolution of things for Marvel during this convention. Before even the, the retailer, there was the Punisher. They pulled the Punisher oh, shit, from – from New so, yes, York, a, uh, yes, Netflix, and Punisher, which was good. 
Yeah, well, just for those who don't know, they were supposed to be doing a Punisher yeah. panel. They decided not to do it in light of the recent mass shooting. Somebody, I wish I could recall, who pointed out that if they were confident that the show handled gun violence responsibly right. in what the show did, then they might not have felt the need to cancel it because they could have made it be about, like, you know, we have a show that's talking about how, how gun violence is unacceptable and we'll address it seriously and we think this is time, whatever. But no, I, they, think, they seem to realize what I suspect, which is that the show actually will handle you know, gun violence irresponsibly. And uh, that's why they didn't have the panel at that time. And someone else and, brought up the thing is now you've also associated it with Las Vegas, like genius move. Yeah. And, you know, the other a, thing a genius is like, as in a bad like way to go. Yes, exactly. More, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you and I will do an episode soonish about yes. the iconography of the Punisher. And, 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 but so stay tuned for that guys. Cause the entire Punisher thing is a right wing meme waiting to yep. expand and grow. So yep. anyhow, um, so they canceled okay, that Okay, so North of Roman. Yeah. Yeah, so flash forward to Saturday, and I'm kicking myself because going through my feed, I saw the announcement of comic, and I didn't bother looking at it just because I was rushed. So Marvel has a thing called Custom Editions, and Custom Editions is a separate arm of Marvel. It's not their normal editorial. There's a few people that are in charge of it. Uh, and it's not their normal editorial group. And their entire thing is to go out and work with companies or organizations or nonprofits or whatever to create uh, custom comics around certain situations. So in the past, they worked with a pharmaceutical company about um, IBD medicine, which is good and bad at the same time because pharmaceuticals, I don't think should be advertising, but it's another thing. Um, they've worked with, um, like Visa, again, Visa, MasterCards and all that, or uh, credit cards for Marvels is shady as fuck, but this was about uh, uh, educating over um, fiscal responsibility. Uh, they've done stuff with like citrus growers, I think. Like It's run all over the place. So the, the idea was they were going to work with Northrop Grumman over some comic stem. However, it's Northrop Grumman, who is a fucking evil corporation. Um, we're talking billions in fines, fleecing the government, selling materials to foreign governments they shouldn't, propping up dictatorships, training military. They literally have their own mercenary force. Um, basically, everything they touch turns to shit. And are, they are the evil They are Roxanne. They are Marvel's Roxon. They are Roxon. Is the best way, but yes, right. Um, and so they went for this deal, and of course everyone ate it. Not because it was about them, which I saw a couple of idiots saying um, that's the reason people went insane. The reason is because North of Grumman is an evil corporation, and Marvel, who should be about progressive and doing good and and stuff like that, shouldn't be teaming up with North of Grumman. So uh, all it's hell like broke they loose. Didn't watch, it's like they didn't watch Iron Man. Like it's like yeah, exactly. guys, did you not you didn't see Iron Man? No, it's a pretty popular movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I said to someone. I was like, even Tony Stark has basically said no to selling weapons. So um, it's like they didn't learn their lessons from their own stuff. So uh, hmm. everyone went nuts online, which was totally uh, legit, and basically was like, what the hell are you thinking? Um, so Marvel absolutely fumbled on what even they were discussing because maybe if they said, hey, this is 
about STEM, maybe it would have gone over better, but it's still one enough because it's Northrop Grumman. And it's like, fucking images, tacky. I mean, the, the work yeah. itself was like laughably bad. Like, stupid. Oh, well, all those custom inks are. Oh, the custom, yeah. all the custom inks are horrible. Um, and not to demean the people working on it, they work hard, but like, it's, it's not, it, they feel like, you know how like offshoots and miniseries of big events never quite all the quality. That's custom ink, except lower it a few levels uh, as far as quality, but the your custom editions. Um, so they pulled it, which was good, and pulled it from the the um, Marvel Unlimited, which was already north of Grumman. Pulled their stuff, and it was gone. And the few images that were there, even if it was a STEM comic, there was like these really disturbing images. Like half of it would have been like Avengers Tower, and then the other half was north of Grumman's. Grumman's headquarters and was like come in with us and it was clearly really shitty propaganda to get think that hey you should go work and you know learn STEM and then you go work for an arms manufacturer I mean what's really insane oh man I wish I were called to put this on Twitter if Marvel actually wanted to promote young people getting interested in STEM they could have supported the, the, the Unstoppable Wasp comic which was literally designed to get little girls excited about science because it stars a little girl scientist and features her going on adventures with female scientists of various ages. That was like literally what this whole comic was supposed to do. And it was very adorable and funny. Um, and they canceled it. So, I mean, look, I'm, I don't think having Marvel do sponsored comics in and of itself is a terrible thing, but like, look at who your partners are. Right. Yep. I mean, good God. And also make it very, very clear that what you're making is an advertisement so that people could not possibly like think it was actual content. But the idea that they were doing this because they want to encourage young people to go into STEM while they're actually busy canceling comics that are designed to help young people go into STEM. It's about yep. money. Just say it's about money. You wanted that arms dealer money. So you took the arms dealer money. You know, that's yes. Don't lie to me. Anyhow, so Twitter responded very, very with a quickness to the insanity. Um, There was lots of tweets all over the hashtag. There was geek press, mainstream press. Brett on Graphic Policy wrote one of the earliest stories that actually explained the problem with Northrop Grumman. Thank you, Brett. Um, And uh, then uh, Marvel canceled it. Yep. Which might make it a very valuable comic if you can find it. Oh my God. That I, bad. Think, I don't know the if The first thing I, I'm thinking, like, I want a copy. It's going to be worth tons of money. I can eBay that shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sell it to Destro. Destro is like finally yeah, exactly. a comic that I can get behind. Uh, but like, so they're, they're, so for the custom editions, for those who don't, like, they've worked with, uh, I got it in front of me. They've worked with Lexus in the past, which isn't a horrible thing. Bandai Namco yeah. for something. Pirate's Booty, which I'm assuming is the food thing. The snack food. Um, about, Listen, like, yeah, and with about, the Hostess Fruit Pies ads of DC Comics, yes. Yeah, uh, and that was supposedly about unhealthy snacks. We have Captain yeah. Citrus, um, oh which I'm not even going to go in. Uh, something with LeBron James. The Blue Ear, which as I know they did, that was uh, a, a great comic about a kid who actually had uh, hearing issues and like wrote to Marvel, and they're like, we're going to do this character for you and do something around um, you know, people with hearing issues and all that, like, awesome. They did their one that was with a nonprofit, I think, that was, like, anti-bullying, which is really good. Yeah. Elk Club, which I don't know much 
about the Elks Club, so I have no opinion They're on it. They're like a weird civic organization that's like a VFW, but for non-VFW people, I would describe them as being value neutral. So okay. go for it. You know what I mean? Um, Just don't work with fucking arms dealers. Yeah, so Make-A-Wish, they did one, which is good. Um, Visa, I still think that one bothers me for some reason. And then they did something with NASA, which I thought was like a STEM thing with that one. So I don't know why. I know they did like a patch for, with the uh, ISS International with like Rocket and Groot and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think it, who knows? Um, but yeah, and so they've, like, they've done cool stuff and they've done like worthy stuff and, you know, it's, it's a great idea. It's just they need someone to think through who the hell is partnering with with all this. Like, well, certainly supporting Northrop Grumman is very much in line with like the head of Disney's political beliefs, right? But I guess they don't understand that, that like people have a megaphone and can respond to what they yeah. say and do. I'm like, I have no doubt whoever the one that pulled the trigger on it and that word is being used intentionally, mm-hmm. uh, that phrase is used intentionally. It basically was like Northrop Grumman came to him and said, hey, we're going to give you all this money. And that person said, sweet, I'm going to beat everything that, you know, I have this quarter with this like one deal. And that's all they were they were seeing. Like, I'm going to meet my goals and all that. And awesome. And that was about it. And it didn't go anywhere else because the Joe Casada during the Cup of Joe panel, someone asked him about it. And he was like, I didn't know about it until all hell broke loose. So clearly normal Marvel editorial is out of the loop when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, I could believe that. Um, yeah. yeah, I can believe that. But I want to talk about the fan response. So the fan yes. response was like fast, viv- you know, loud, vocal, and we are the reason the thing got canceled. Like because folks like us spoke out and made fun of it. That's why. I think fandom needs to realize that we have those kinds of powers, that we're even better able to wield that power when we are organized. Um, and in these crisis moments like that, you know, organizing doesn't necessarily have to be required, partially because the, na- the the viral nature of it being during New York Comic Con when everybody's on Twitter. But um, so look at this example of the kind of thing we can do if we put ourselves to it and to actually for- organize ourselves. To have networks Uh, for notifying each other when shit's going down. Have frameworks for developing petitions and stuff like that. Speaking of petitions, oh my gosh, we want to talk about that, Brett? What, the one we did? Yeah, the one we did. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to say something I shouldn't, so I kind of want to punt on it. Okay, sorry. No, 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 yeah. it's Petitions, they're a thing... (laughs) People in They're comics can do them. You should talk yes. to us sometime. Petitions. They can help people. Yes. Petitions are a good thing, especially if you know who to target and what to do. Petitions are a good thing. Retweets, all that can be helpful. Petitions are a good thing. Just could yep. leave at that. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was the biggest activism moment at New York Comic Con, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that wound up being, like, a huge story. I mean, I know I saw all of that well past the comic press in some mainstream, too. So, 
uh, it really got out there. And, and and I'm wondering, like, you know, Marvel had some announcements, but all that stuff basically just overpowered their announcements and drowned it out. Um, I mean, basically, Marvel's narrative got away from them, um, and that seems to be a constant issue that they're having. Yeah, maybe they should hire people who are better at their job. I don't know. <laughs> People who are like, able to control a, the narrative there was, a little better. There, there, there was a panel actually with like creators like talking about how to get hired, and they basically were like, "We hire from within our network." And I'm like, "Yep, yep. it yep. shows." Yep. It shows. Well, at least they're being honest about it. Yeah, that's true. They're not like if you work very hard and yeah. work really hard, someday you just might be able to know. They're like, if we don't know you, you don't count. <laughs> Uh, hilarity. Um, did Marvel make any announcements? Um, they, so they are doing a Black Panther prequel series. Uh, that's going to be basically the origin of Black Panther and him actually, I think, taking control of Wakanda, which will be timed for the movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly the stuff they should be doing. So that's cool. really, really good. They announced a Legion is that, is comic that Evan, series. Is that the one that Evan Narcisse is writing? Or Yes. Yeah. So that's cool. He's an African-American uh, like pop culture critic. Yeah, but even and, that they uh, fucked up on because the announcement was done on the site he writes for, which is absolutely questionable. Oh, because they gave them the scoop on it. Yeah. That's very ethically questionable. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Let's go with the release link to the site the person writes for, which uh, is not kosher to do. So, um, yeah. <laughs> anyhow, so that was again, And it's this minor details that they seem to keep on fucking up over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did they? Was there anything uh, so else they also announced? Did, yeah. So they did a. So for Marvel, they also announced the Legion series again with the television show. Uh, that's again what they should be doing. And then they're doing a Rogue and Gambit miniseries. Uh, which, yeah. Kelly Thompson is the writer, which is pretty much yeah. what it takes to make me actually think this could be good. Like, if I had to choose someone to write it, Kelly Thompson would be near the top of that damn list. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. It should be a good one. I think I'm somebody just actually fascinated like, that it's coming out. I do not want this comic. Well, I guess I'd read it if it was from Kelly Thompson. And then somebody like replied like three hours later, like it's Kelly Thompson. And they were like, Oh, okay. So definitely there's a lot of folks who think that she's the writer. That's the right person to do a gambit and a rogue comic. Yeah. I'm just, I'm kind of interested at the timing of it. Cause it's, there's nothing that I know of, January-wise, that involves Gambit and Rogue. It's just kind of like, a, why, why is this coming out? Like, they're do, working on a Gambit film. Who knows if it's ever going to happen? Um, so it just seems a weird thing that maybe you'd want to time it for that. And they've got it on television, so I'm fully expecting Lorna Dane to be somewhere, so I was expecting some Lorna Dane announcement, but again, not really anything. Hmm. So hmm. weird, weird stuff. But the Legion one is exactly what they should be. It's tied into the comic series. It's, you got the television series. It's a good thing where people can go who like the television series can go read a comic. 
cool, assuming they advertise to them, which, you know, you never know. Yeah. Maybe they will. But, hey, if you listen to these retailers, according to these retailers, they're getting tons of people coming into their shops asking where the hell these comics are. That's right. I'm calling bullshit and, and on then, that, but, you know, whatever. And then angry somehow. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then they leave angry not buying anything. Not buying a gosh darn thing. Nope, because trades don't exist. No, trades don't exist. Sorry, guys, we can't turn off the sarcasm. It's just not possible. Um, not for those assets. <laughs> no. Uh, what else got announced? Uh, DC had a lot of announcements. Um, so they announced some. So the Dark uh, Matter line of comics is now like called like the New Age of Heroes. I think it is. Uh, so it's everything that's gonna out of uh, Dark Knight's Metal, which is pretty awesome. I've loved, I'm loving that series so far. Um, so the whole thing is going to be called now New Age of Heroes. They're actually doing with like new characters. They're really trying some new like directions and, and all that, which should be really interesting. Um, Steve Orlando's got a new series called The Unexpected, and hmm. it was announced. And then Justin Jordan has got another series. I forgot. It's like something Brimstone. Oh, yeah, Steve Orlando, Oh, The Unexpected. Is that the one where they're having him write some, like, D-list heroes, basically? Yeah. Yeah, it seems That's, like, like the, totally the... something I want. Like, I know that, like, yep. writers, they always want to do, like, I'm, like, I am so much more likely to be excited about a writer who I like writing some random-ass D-list heroes. It's, like, totally in my jam. I, I, you know, like, I'm super happy for Steve that he's doing Justice League of America, but what I'm more excited about is the D-list. <laughs> That's just me. And he'd be really, he's going to be really at that like i think something that he excels in is being able to prop up d-list characters so i'm i'm really really looking forward to it um so justin jordan has one it's like something brimstone i forgot what the specific is um they i'm trying to think what else the uh they've they've announced milestone is coming back and there's i think three or four series to start um yeah they have got earth talent is all men um, uh, one woman, I thought. Yep. Nope. You sure? Was, like, I thought there was. This, yeah. Or maybe she's an artist. Yeah, I think that's the situation. Um, Karama, aka uh, the girl, basically told Guinness Cowan, like, you guys have to have a woman on this book for this because there's going to be a women team book that's coming out. So yeah, we shall. It's Randall, see. that's the that I'm assuming Alice Randall's a woman. Um, yeah. She's on. She's on Earth M. I'm guessing she's the artist. I don't really list who's the artist and who's the writer. It's Reginald Hudlin and Alice Randall. So I'm assuming Hudlin's writing it and she's doing the yes. art, but I don't know. Yeah, that that sounds right. Yeah, it seems like I mean, Hudlin is writing pretty much everything other than one series, which Greg Pak is writing. Yeah. Those are some good dudes. But dudes, nonetheless. Oh, they're all talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all super talented. Uh, and I'm definitely want to check out, and see what they do. It'd been nice to have maybe a couple women, especially a couple like women of color, would have been nice. I can yeah, especially think of given. a couple. Where is yeah. Althea Alisa Martinez? But I say that a lot. Theo um, Richardson would be mm-hmm. fantastic. Um. Oh. Somebody announced. Uh, oh yes, I was thinking about diversity. So I found out 
that um, Gabby Rivera is working on a Magical Girl series that has Latina characters. So Magical Girl series is like a genre like Sailor Moon, basically. Yep. Um, yep. The internet is pleased. That's not my jam, but that's the jam of so many people. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, but I don't know if that's... Uh, tapped for, out on those what, series. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm old, sorry. But like, I don't know what the... Um, what the publisher is for that. It might actually be fiction. It might not be a comic. Yeah. And that, that's a whole genre that took off. There was like one or two comics and then it feels like everyone's doing their own version of it. Well, Zodiac Star thing. Force is really, Zodiac yep. Star Force is a really good comic book. It was Dark oh. Horse, right? Uh, Zodiac is Dark Horse. Yeah. And they've kept that one going. They have like a, a, new, a new season on it. Yep. Um, Definitely a lot of fun. I recommend to do a lot of them. Yeah, does a lot of them. Um, of course, has like one or two series that are very similar. But yeah, that became like a genre unto its own comics. Oh, speaking of boom, a new season of the Backstagers has been announced. Huh, um, I missed which, that one. Awesome. Yeah, so that's a comic with um, taking place at a boys' boarding school, and this is the uh, drama—not the drama club, but the stage crew. That supports the drama club, and it has a lot of um, gay boy, teenager, in love storylines, um, which is definitely something that is important to have. And it's written by James Tinian of the Fourth, and the artist is Ryan—I forgot his name—but it's yeah, it's by queer men. So that's cool. yeah. glad to see that comic will be coming back. Yeah, they. Um, not too surprised. I think the the series had a pretty good run, and James. T- has a really good, um, really solid, like, following, mm-hmm. which is, you know, great to see. Like, he he rocks with a whole bunch of series. I know The Woods just wrapped his. Um, he's got a whole bunch of boom. So, yeah, it's great to see him. He's a, he's a great creator and consistently entertaining. He'll be coming on our show sometime this winter, by the way. The definite... I'm sorry? Yes. Is, is that I'm a not definite? giving you a definite okay. date. It's a definite it's happening. I am not giving you a definite date yet. Although okay. what I can tell Perfect. our listeners is definite happening and we have a date for it, is we are going to be joined by uh, Michael Fife, the creator of Capra, writer, artist, yes. publisher of the uh, artistic, artistic surrealist version of Suicide Squad. I mean, basically... It's like if uh, it's like an avant-gardist take on Suicide Squad while still being a comic, and he'll be joining us October twenty-third. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Let me get this calendar open. October twenty-third. Yes, October twenty-third. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for that. I, I've talked up Copra like so much. Um, have my like have a subscription to it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So that should be a really fun discussion. He is. He loves comics, and he's just awesome. Able to uh, instruct them and give his own twist to them. So, you know, anything we could do to promote that series, so happy to do it. It's freaking awesome. And if folks have reading it, totally read it. There's, I think four volumes are out at this point. I don't think the fifth one is out yet. I could be wrong. Um, go pick it up. You won't be disappointed. It's constantly on best list. One of the things I've been hearing lots of good buzz from the con and just in general 
is there's a Star Wars book that's coming out that's in the new universe called um, is it from a certain point of view? And I guess it's an anthology. Wait, which one it is has it? Like, it's art and it's illustrated, but short stories. Um, and it's called From a Certain Point of View. It's a Star Wars like book. And that got no really one. good, really big buzz. It's like put out, yeah, Penguin Random House is the publisher. It's got hmm. Kieran Gillen, who I've folks know I'm obsessed with. Um, he's been on the show. Check it out. Um, ben Acker. Main, the main Star Wars comic, which should be he awesome. Kelly Sudeconic, Matt Fraction. So, like, really talented folks. Mallory Ortberg. Huh. Yeah. And, and that, it's a prose book? Got, it's a prose book with illustrations. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll finally it's a fundraiser? prose book. Oh, it's, it's a fundraiser. Profits are donated to First Book, a leading nonprofit that provides new books, learning materials, and other essentials to educators and organizations serving children in need. First, I heard of it. I'm going to have to check that out because that kind of sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the Star Wars stuff, like comic-wise, is friggin' awesome. So um, to see those folks all do a different, like a prose, should be really, really cool. Yeah, I don't. I've never read the extended universe books, but I'm intrigued by this. Yeah, you. Show Doctor Fra. That one you might like. Is, oh no, I've read the comics. Person? I've read the oh, comics. Okay. Extended universe. I mean, like the novels that came out. Uh, you oh, know? the novels. Ah, yeah. yeah. No, but I've read Gear and Gillen's stuff on it. I'm a little. I'm behind on Doctor Afra, but I adored his Darth Vader comic. That was amazing. Yes, the Vader stuff was amazing. I've yeah, and the Star Wars it. special that Kelly Thompson did was really great too. Mm-hmm. We talked about that with her when she joined us on the show a little while back. Yeah, for I mean, for all the sh- that Marvel gets knocking out of the park, for Star Wars line of comics. I wonder if it has a separate editor. No idea. I I would think that Lucasfilm was just very hands on with it, so it is much more like I I can't even imagine what the process is to get that stuff done. I mean, I'm glad that Lucas Films let them have a, a, a queer woman character, Dr. Afra. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like a pretty that's big deal. Huge deal. Like, there's that. Um, there's a couple of characters that I'm positive are, like, LGBT. Um, there was one I swear that just came out. Not in that term. Uh, where there's something about an LGBT hmm. character, but I don't remember which it is. Um, but yeah, Afra I think is like the f- first, maybe definitely. Yeah, Doctor Afra. She's sort of like an evil Indiana Jones. Yep. I think. Well, not. Yeah, not that's the way evil. I describe. More like an a an a a an amoral Indiana Jones character. Yeah. So definitely, she, she's Indiana Jones that, that might be okay working with the Nazis instead of punching them. Like you know, it depends. Yeah. And sometimes she would punch them. It kind of yeah. it's all about what her thing at that time. But yeah. Um, love that series. Really, really, really good. Entertaining. Um, and, oh, yes, we have the artist announced, speaking of things Kieran Gillen writes, the artist for the 1920s Wiktiv special is going to be Odd Cock, who folks, um, has, she's done like a little bit of work at Marvel, like a few backup stories or something stuff. She does gorgeous art. She's kind of from the studio that um, Steve Lieber runs out west, and um, 
she's got a very Art Nouveau style, and having her do 1920s issues is going to be a really cool fit. If folks haven't seen her, check out her name is spelled A U D, and then her last name is C U C H. I want to say. A, no, C-O, sorry, A-U-D, and her last name is C-O-C-H, yes. Um, I'm super excited to see her work there, and um, all of her stuff for Inktober has been really cool, too. So now's a good time nice. to check out her art. Yes. Yeah, we got we got a bunch of stuff lined up, so tons and tons to come. Uh, anything else stand out for you about New York Comic Con? Um. No, I mean, I do think that they could really use some tighter curation of the panels, like being more prescriptive in some ways of making sure that there's diversity on panels that aren't just the diversity-focused panels. And, um, yeah, and some scheduling. Scheduling is really hard. I mean, I run a, con- I run a, a, a conference in my professional life, and... I know how hard that that can be, but yeah. Oh gosh, speaking of things that were scheduled poorly, um, but I understand why. We had the very, very first Jewish focused panel this time. Let me guess. It was on Saturday. No, it wasn't. It was on Sunday, but it was at the same time as one of the as one of the African American ones, which sort of played into the whole idea that people seem to forget that like you can be both Jewish and black. But uh, but I totally understand that you know they had a limited schedule within which they could work because also it had been Sukkot, so Sunday was the only day the Jewish panel could have been, and they did it then. Um, stood by three awesome women in geekdom. Um, they have a podcast called Nice Jewish Fangirls, and it's perspectives from three modern Orthodox Jewish women. So that's definitely a different um, you know community that you don't really hear having their own space in geekdom quite as much. And um, one of the hosts, Michal, is, was on a really popular Game of Thrones podcast. So hmm. folks might recognize her from that. Yeah. Is there, a, is there any, um, any comic creators that are orthodox that you can think of? I don't think so. Now you said that, I'm like, I'm like thinking of this. I'm like, yeah, is there any that I even know of? No, I really can't think of any. Like there's very, very, I can't think of any comic creators who are orthodox. Nope, and they didn't mention any fi- any any geek fiction writers or who are orthodox either. They talked about Jewish writers for whom Jewish themes and ideas are significant in their work. They mentioned lots of folks like that, but I don't really know if any of them are orthodox. Hmm. So anyway, that was cool. Yeah. That was quick, cool. Good quick to search, see that. I, nothing p- comes up. But yeah, no, that's actually really really neat. Yeah, I've noticed there's been an uptick of a lot of Judaism in comics interaction. Um, seems to be like a hot topic and things being covered now, which is good because it's, it's the history of comics. It really is the yep. complete history of comics. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, no, that's, uh, I wish I saw that. That would have been really, really cool to watch. Um, yeah, how was the crowds? The crowds seem to be a, a big thing. Terrible, daunting. Yep. I mean, I've, I've been, there's been worse. This, it wasn't as bad as I feared it would be. But it's not fun. But it, but it, but it's been worse, I suppose. Artist Alley was pushed off in its own section because the building is getting redone, and uh, there was not enough air conditioning in Artist Alley. Yeah, I saw some photos that looked like um, 
some pretty bad, uh, some some pretty nasty fire hazards. It was really hot in that room. Not pleasant. I did notice, speaking of things in Artist Alley, however the booths got lined up, you had this row in which the booths were Frank Cho, like a couple people, different booths, I don't know who they were, and then two women who were like independent artists who both do size positive pinup art, like feminist drawings of plus size women being sexy. Guess who had significantly more people crowding around their table? Oh, it's going to be the women. It was the plus size women artists who like literally I'd never heard of before. They have no name recognition of anything I'd heard of. Their work was really cute. I really liked it. Um, so they weren't being appreciated for their name brand. They were there because people wanted what they were making. And yeah. poor Frank Cho sitting all by himself on the end of the table with his totally played out stereotypical art that like yeah, he's basically trying I noticed to troll that- people with at this point. Baltimore, um, Phil Richardson, Greg Pack, Wade, Matt, like they constantly were having people at their tables, um, like constantly. And uh, Daryl McDaniel's D- little run DNC action, he he also had tons of people, which is understandable. Um, but yeah, that was kind of fascinating to, to watch and who everyone was gravitating towards. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you can't even get anywhere near Karen Gill and Jamie McKelvey's stuff. Like they're <laughs> massive. Tits. I feel like there was going to be a, there was a serious like run on pins on Jen Bartel's table. She makes beautiful enamel pins, and um, you pretty much had to get there early to get those from her. And she got a re up thankfully, so we were able to come and get things. But Jen Bartel makes gorgeous merch, and I just Good saw enough. people carrying around. I saw people carrying around posters from her everywhere. She must have sold a ton of stuff. I'm really happy for her. She's a really good artist. Cool. I have, to, I have to check her out uh, uh, next time. She's I done a couple issues of America that she just did, and she did a couple issues of Gem before. Um, no, no, no. Like I know her art. I just I never. I don't think I've ever seen the pin. I'd love to see what she does for like pins and stuff like that in the poster. One of them says, "Dead men can't catcall." Uh, one of them <laughs> says, "Mermaids against misogyny," and she's got like a big spiked mace. They're very cute. They're like angry and pink and feminist. It's very much, yeah. very much her Fantastic. brand. Yeah, I don't remember who it was at. There was a, a group at SPX that had a table, and when you bought stuff, uh, it like went depending on what you bought. It went to different charities, and I wound up buying one that uh, like um, some stickers, and the one said, um, you know, "Fuck your dead Confederate ancestor" or something like that. Yeah. Something that line. Oh my god. Yeah. That's so. Oh, and I, didn't I think ask it went to the SPX. SPLC. Yeah. I didn't ask you about SPX. It was good. Like small it's always amazing. Yeah. So small Expo takes around. place in September. It's usually the week before Baltimore Comic Con. So it's an awesome one-two punch with that. Um, SPX is always amazing. Like the the talent there is crazy. Um, as I was you know talking to some other things. They they are folks there. They they have people have made comments of how the whole convention seems to get like queerer and queerer every single year, uh, in, in a good way. Uh, yeah. And like this year, it was like you know, there was transgender individuals there at the actual like fans walking around and creators and like it's just one of those that like this is this is comics like anyone that says you know comic fans are transgender or women or whatever people of color like go to small press and fuck you um, the, yeah. the talent there's 
amazing. The people are there. They spend money. It's packed. It's a great show. Um, I picked some really interesting stuff of like a new publisher I didn't know about. Um, I'm reading their two books that I picked up from them. So that will be up on the site soon. Um, I still need to get some videos up. Some really cool things that I saw. Um, the thing I like about the show is people are more experimental about the comics they produce. So there was one that I bought that looks like a pizza slice and then you like fold it out to read the comic and on one side is one story and then I think the other side is like the same story from a different perspective and it's just really creative in how it's laid out. Um, there was another hmm. I snapped photos of that it was I think 12 feet long or 20 feet long, some crazy length that's long near comic um, and there's one that is gorgeous. It was 45 bucks an issue, so I didn't buy it. But the outside of it was like, wasn't leather, but it kind of was like that sort of thing. But underneath it was uh, an image, and the image was like metal, and it changed colors depending on where you looked at it. Um, so like super creative, really gorgeous. And I got video of that. Hopefully it actually caught the the change of the, the coloring. Um, that was, that's really, really, really cool. So SBI, like amazing talent, really cool stuff. I bought um, an original cover cover for a comic that came out. Um, I bought a kid's book. That's the history of hip hop, but it's one specific creator and I forgot which, who, who it was, but it's like a kid's um, in this really cool art style that I love. Um, a bunch of other like small comics pick stuff up. It's just it's always a great show. I, I highly rec- recommend it to folks. I also got to go to Geek Girl Con for the very first time out in Seattle. Yes, I believe I was the person who came from the farthest away that I encountered. No joke. <laughs> like it really did not get folks from not- <laughs> the east coming at all. But Geek Girl Con is fabulous. It's very family oriented. Tons of stuff for kids. Um. It is not super comics heavy. Like I think the only comics guest who was there was G Willow Wilson. Um, it really has stuff from games, TV fandom, role playing games, video games, science kits, all kinds of stuff. Nice big Xena panel, all that. Like a cool panel on, on um, some on like what on like for fans who love Star Trek about what some of the problematic aspects of Star Trek are like from a loving perspective of fandom, you know, but um, <laughs> comics are just not really there. It's not, it's not really comics focused. And I think that's an interesting factor. Um, Plant Parenthood had a really cool uh, workshop there. You know, there was a number of different workshops on civic engagement, definitely a very political conference. Um, and very family oriented, completely unlike anything I'd been to for real. Um, and I think anybody from the West Coast, like, go. You should definitely go. The whole city of Seattle was totally all about it, too. Um, like, the was whole it city was just, yeah, it was in the convention center. It doesn't okay. use the whole convention center, it's like part of the convention center. Really cool cosplay. Um, I definitely think for families, it would be a, a can't miss really nice, big game playing area for folks to try out new role playing games and new strategy games with each other in a supportive environment. And there were like a lot of panels that I wanted to go to. I couldn't even make it to them all because there were so many cool ones, 
but just yeah, like not not comics focused. Because there isn't enough, I guess, that really understands young girls to be its audience. Yeah. I've, so the other is, I know area is very heavy in games in general, like especially video games. But like yeah. Penny Arcade Expo is held there and all that, so it doesn't surprise me that it's more game focused based of who's around there. Um, yeah. But really kind of fascinating. But there's a lot of people not... who make comics in Portland. Like yep. Portland is a big comics maker hub, and there's like a, isn't there like a publisher based in Seattle even? Yeah, and that's what I like. If you're doing a book that aimed at women or girls, like you should be sending your your teams there. So that doesn't make a Absolutely. That, that's a fail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fail, fail, fail. Um, yeah. Anything else to discuss? Nope. That's really it. But yeah, definitely, folks, go to Geek Girl Con next year. I highly endorse it. Cool. That, that's, uh, I've heard some good things. So that's one I might have to check out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if we've got anything specifically scheduled to next week, but... If not, I'm I'm gone. I'm gone Monday. I would love to do an episode next week, but I can't do it Monday. So hopefully we'll be back with something awesome, a different day of the week. Um, (laughs) Possibly, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. And we'll definitely be back on the 23rd with with Michael Beast to talk about Copra. Yes, that will be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I missed at uh, at SPX this year, so bummed. But yeah, that should be. Really, really cool and a lot of fun. And yeah, since we haven't pretty much covered pretty much everything yep, we wanted to discuss. Covered it. Uh, yep. If you came in late, want to listen again, want to share it with your friends, this episode of Alpha Policy Radio will be up on iTunes in a couple of hours, and then will be on our site in SoundCloud tomorrow. Our site being GrabPolicy.com. You should go check out and get all the comic news reviews, interviews, and more every single day. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that graphic policy, keeping it consistent. And, and I'm on Twitter. Yep. I'm Where on Twitter all, all the goddamn time on Twitter. Um, Ilana, E-L-A-N-A, underscore Brooklyn, like the city, Twitter, all the damn time. It's not okay. You can find me there. And I'll have a, neat, and I'll, I'll have a more in-depth piece about the politics of New York Comic Con coming up on Comic Speed very soon. Yep. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening, folks. It's much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Brett. And I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky. <laughs>